Today on CityCast Denver, or should I say tonight on CityCast Denver, because yes, even though you are hearing this in the morning, we're recording this in the evening. It's crazy. To be specific, election night evening. And uh, my name's producer, Xander McMahon. I'm sitting in host Bree Davies' home. Hi, Bree. Hi. This is CityCast after hours. <laughs> after in my, dark. In my home. <laughs> Um, and uh, producer Paul Caroli is also here with us on this historic election night because it's our first election night, Paul. It it sure is. What a moment it is. I'm so excited to be here. It was such a moment. None of our local TV stations broadcast the election <laughs> results. We were watching The Voice while watching Twitter. We were so excited. We had the TV set up like we were in a regular newsroom and then nothing. <laughs> Nobody cares but us. No, that's not true. A lot of people cared and a lot of people in Denver showed up to vote. Paul, do you briefly want to talk about voter turnout? I do. I think that was a big story leading into this. I mean, we heard reports for the last couple of weeks at least about low voter turnout, even relative to past off-year elections. There was talk about 3% turnout, and then I think the clerk and recorder said 10 or maybe 12 uh, late last week. But here we have our first results, and uh, it is, in fact, quite low. Uh, The total votes, I mean, I don't know exactly how many votes have been cast, but for some of these measures, like the more hot button, more, more popular measures, ones we'd expect to see more people weighing in on, they've got like 65, 66,000 votes. Um, and that's compared to the total number of voters registered in Denver County at 467,000. So it's about 14, 15% turnout. Wow. Remarkably low. Well, and, uh, you know, I get it. This is uh, not a sexy election. We're not electing a mayor uh, or or members of, of Congress or anything like that. What's but that? Did the pandemic research fund just storm out in a huff? <laughs> <laughs> what? I think the pandemic research fund thinks of themselves as a pretty sexy measure. Oh, I know. I'm so sorry, pandemic research fund. We'll get to the, we'll get to you in a second. All right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I get it. But also, you know, it's an off your election, but uh, uh, it is it is pretty surprising at how low the turnout has been. Um, now, one. Th- oh, I'm go ahead. curious how many people opened their ballots and were like, I don't understand any of this. Yes. I'm good. <laughs> I mean, there were some real, I know that ballot language is confusing by nature, but this year was really confusing. Yeah. No, Boy, was it? It, it was. It was a doozy. We did our best with the election palooza episode where we broke down the ballot. We went through every issue painstakingly. But yeah, I, but we I still understand it was difficult. I won't blame you if you were one of those people who was just like, nah, man, not for me this year. That's okay. <laughs> All right. One thing I want to say before we get into results is that we're recording this on Tuesday night, election night. Now, things could change overnight. And um, but as of, you know, 9 p.m. on election night, these this is where the results stand. Uh, and like Paul said, was not a high turnout. So I and a lot of these races are not close. So I don't predict there to be any major changes. But you never know. So just listen to this with that caveat. Okay. We got to get into it. I'm scrolling through the results here. I'm so excited to talk about some of these. <laughs> Let's get into it. The big issue on the ballot this year was the bond. This was uh, Mayor Michael Hancock's. Um, you know, he he's asking voters to approve. Uh, how much money was it? $450 million. Yes. Thank you, Paul. 
a lot of money borrowing from our future selves for a slew of different kinds of projects. But the big one, the big ticket item was this National Western Center Arena that would, uh, you know, be a new midsize arena in Denver, host graduations, host other kinds of events. And also the money would go towards the ongoing renovations of the National Western Center Complex, which hosts the annual stock show. So this was very controversial. We did two shows on it. Um, Paul, just give us an overview of where the bond stands. Now, voters had to vote on each individual item, but what what happened? All right, so the first four questions were the ones that dealt with the less controversial items like libraries and bike lanes and sidewalks and all that good wholesome stuff. Those all passed by a mile, 20 Almost percentage shelters. points. Yeah, not even close. 2E, the arena, the National Western Center, Total opposite situation, lost by 20 points. The people of Denver have said no to a new arena for the National Western Center. Wow. At least not like this. And it's interesting because the yes on the arena had a lot of money behind that campaign, and the no on the arena was completely grassroots, uh, community-organized opposition, and that community opposition won out, Yeah, which is amazing. All right, let's move on. Um, The next question on the Denver ballot was uh, referred question to F. Now, this was controversial because it basically would repeal the group living amendment that city council put in place in February, which said um, more than two unrelated adults and up, up to five unrelated adults can live together in a home. Now, before this group living amendment was adopted, um, you know, that technically was illegal in Denver to live with roommates if you were not related or, you know, if it was more than two people. So um, this group, Safe and Sound Denver, wanted to repeal that amendment and make that illegal again to have these kinds of group living situations. Um, Paul, where does question 2F stand right now? It's a resounding no from the people of Denver, Alexandra. We're looking at 67% of votes uh, on this question were no. And I thought this was interesting. Safe and Sound Denver collected about 13, 14,000 signatures to get this measure on the ballot. Only 21,000 people voted for the repeal. I think that has a little bit to do with people getting presented something which is when when you sign one of those ballot initiative things someone tells you what Mm -hmm. it's about but then maybe when you read it for yourself you have a different thought about it but curmudgeons everywhere are real po'd right now that they think all their parking spots are going to get taken up by all those (laughs) ragtag fools like myself that have lived with multiple other uh, unrelated adults (laughs) We are everywhere. (laughs) We are in your neighborhood right now. It's just technically legal for us to continue living this way. So, (laughs) yeah. All right. So that so voters said no to repealing uh, the group living amendment. So 2F uh, does not pass. Okay. 2G. Question 2G. So this has to do with the independent monitor's office and who gets to appoint future independent monitors. Currently, that position is vacant after Nick Mitchell left in January. He was Denver's independent monitor for like uh, 11 years. And um, 
they're still working on replacing him. But this would basically just say, hey, instead of the mayor appointing the independent monitor, this uh, independent citizen oversight board should do it. Um, and that just kind of removes potential for conflict of interest. You know, if, if uh, the independent monitor's office and the mayor's office disagrees on something, um, maybe the mayor shouldn't be in charge of hiring or firing that position. It's been an interesting couple of years for uh, the mayor in Denver has held some amount of power and there have been a couple different initiatives that have redistributed that power either to city council or to the people. So right on. Yeah. So, uh, Paul, what did the voters say about who gets to appoint future independent monitors? Should it be the mayor or the citizen oversight board? The voters say it should be the citizen oversight board. This one, this one's a landslide. Looks like about 33 point victory for yes. Wow. That is a big victory. I mean, this one was not very controversial. There wasn't any organized opposition. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not surprised by that. All right, next up on the ballot, referred question 2H. Um, this was another one that was not controversial. There wasn't any opposition that I saw to it. Um, it's pretty simple. It would just move the uh, Denver Municipal Election Day up from, right now it's in May, and uh, the city clerk and recorder wants it to be moved to April to give them a little bit more time to get ready for elections in the event of runoffs, because runoffs typically happen in June. Ballots have to get sent out in a certain window of time, so this would just give the clerk and recorder's office a little bit more time to prep. Uh, Paul, what did voters say about 2H? Voters are fine with it. Uh, this one was another huge margin. Almost 75% of votes cast were for, for yes. Go ahead and change the date. People probably didn't even understand why they were voting on something like this. That's my guess, at least. That's how I felt filling out my ballot. Yeah, I think, I mean, to me, it is a, at its root, it's a voting access issue. It allows for more time um, to get more ballots in. But yeah, in the end, it's weird that we had to vote on it. But yeah. I guess I understand. It's good that we had the option to. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, all right. Now we're getting into some ordinances. <laughs> and uh, all right. This first one, I, I would say, was the most unusual on the ballot this year. I don't know about you all, but... Ordinance 300 had to do with this pandemic research fund. This is what we were referencing earlier, you know. Uh, I guess in some way you could call this a sexy ordinance because it, it was just so random. Uh, this group from Delaware wanted to raise marijuana sales tax, recreational marijuana sales tax from 5.5% in the city to 7% and then direct that revenue towards uh, pandemic research that University of Colorado Denver's city center would um, would spearhead. So, I mean, it's just like prepping for the event of another pandemic, which, you know, is horrible to think about right now, but I'm sure is inevitable one day. Um, but there, there was a lot of confusion about why this was happening in Denver, right, Paul? Do you want to talk about that? Well, Peyton covered this at our uh, election Palooza episode, and there was uh, some group from the East Coast who's doing this national push for more pandemic research funding. And for some reason, they put this on the ballot to get a local local fund started. 
But uh, the local group who would be doing the research, they weren't involved in it. So I think they said, Peyton talked to them and said, you know, they were fine. They were happy to do it, set up the program and spend the money, but they weren't that invested in it, it sounded like. Yeah, it, it seemed very out of left field. It seemed like there was a lot more opposition to this than support, because I know a lot of groups came out saying, I think even Mayor Michael Hancock was like, this is a national problem that like the federal government needs to solve. This isn't something that needs to be Denver's problem to fix just because we have, um, you know, this syntax element that we could be using to fund pandemic research. It was a very weird thing to tack on to the marijuana tax. Um, I think to raise taxes on marijuana, you've got to have a pretty good argument. And this was not great. Yeah. And the voters feel the same way. This was a no. Rejected. No thank you. By a lot. Yeah, quite a bit. 20 points, 20-point margin. All right. So that's probably definitely not going to pass. All right, moving right along (laughs) to uh, a pair of ordinances that, oh, man, these, these have been the doozies of this election. The Park Hill Golf Course the is most at the confusing center, ones is at the center of these two ballot measures and paul i'm gonna let you do the honor of explaining <laughs> what it, ordinance 301 and ordinance 302 are about oh boy <laughs> i was so proud of how i did this earlier i think it was the one time that i said it clearly <laughs> uh, but i can try again um 301 is the ordinance that the Save Open Spaces group put on the ballot to hinder development of the Park Hill Golf Course. They want to see the golf course stay as open space or maybe turn it into a park. So that's what this ordinance is all about. Now, the strategy for doing that is a little bit complicated, uh, but that is their goal. Uh, initiative, initiated Ordinance 302 the, the partner measure, that was put on the ballot by the developers who want to lift the conservation easement and build mixed-use development, which would include probably some amount of parkland. At least that's what they told us uh, a few months ago. But the voters weren't interested in that, and they sided with the Save Open Spaces group, uh, by a pretty hefty margin. Looks like the yes on 301 passed by about 20 points and uh 302 was rejected by about the same margin wow brie what do you think about that what's your interpretation there i mean i saw the advertisements Mm -hmm. green versus concrete that was like the big tagline yeah um i don't believe that's really what's at stake here but uh i also think that this is a neighborhood issue that we shouldn't be voting on Um, developments like this happen all the time. I am a little bit concerned that we've blocked a housing option when we need housing so badly. However, I don't necessarily believe that it's going to A, be affordable if it was built, um, or B, as the developers had attempted to promise, I think, a grocery store, which you cannot do. You can't promise that. That requires something that developers have no control over. Um, But also on the other side of it, it just, I don't know, it felt like a neighborhood fight that we shouldn't be fighting. And I genuinely, unfortunately, see a golf course sitting there for the next couple of decades not being used as a park either, which sucks. 
So sucks all around to me. <laughs> I would love for it to be either an absolutely beautiful park for the neighborhood or actual housing, but I don't think either of those things are going to happen. Yeah. Just one big suck fest for Bree. One big su- No more golf courses. This is my <laughs> new hill to die on. Build housing on all golf courses. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I could get behind that. But I mean, I think from what I understand, though, this doesn't mean that the development there is dead or the chance of development there is dead. And I think there's a chance we might see um, this come back like a like a spooky ghost next election. <laughs> like literally every other development, it's going to happen in some form, in some way, or it will sit in this weird limbo and be a vacant. Yeah. It's such a Denver problem. <laughs> there's too much potential to make too much money yeah. for the developers to walk away just a, a vote like this which is so easily interpreted as like well everyone was confused because it was oh, intentionally man. confusing that's the part that really bothers me is um we're not empowering voters we're confusing them and that's yeah. unfortunate on both sides i'm not i'm not happy with either side of this mm-hmm. yeah. all right well we're getting to the end of the ballot here we've got two more left um now, these next two were actually both filed by Garrett Flicker, who's the chair of the Denver Republican Party. Um, Ordinance 303. Uh, well, okay. This comes with an asterisk. I'll just put that out there first. But the way the ballot language was written was that um, if citizens of Denver call in, you know, say like, oh, there's a homeless encampment in my yard and they're breaking the urban camping ban and I want someone to do it. You need to come, the city needs to come and respond within 72 hours and sweep this camp. Um, That's what Ordinance 303 was hoping to accomplish. Now, there was some news this week in a Denver court. Yeah, the Denver District Court, a judge uh, struck down that part of the ordinance. The, the whole like allowing citizens to sue if the city doesn't follow up on complaints in 72 hours. So even if this had passed, which it didn't, uh, that part wouldn't have been enforced. Right. Okay. So so the ruling, Paul, what, what, where did the voters shake out here? Well, the voters said, no, we're not interested in this. This is, this is not our cup of tea. It was pretty close, though. Um, as of these preliminary results, it looks like about 54% of voters said no. Uh, 45 said yes. I mean, I think that it is just uh, another conversation about our housing crisis that we're still trying to find solutions to and we're not getting there. So, Mm -hmm. but I am glad that this did not pass because it was not going to actually help our unhoused neighbors. Last one on the ballot, Ordinance 304. Um, So again, this was also filed by Garrett Flicker, chair of the Denver Republican Party. And, um, this was essentially going to uh, cap Denver's sales tax. Um, so it, w- it would have inserted a maximum tax clause into Denver's municipal code. Um, so I think at a certain point, Denver would just not be able to rail- not be able to raise sales tax anymore. Um, and this one was, uh, I didn't really understand where this one came from, Paul. I remember you talked about this in our election, Palooza, kind of describing this as a Hail Mary from the Denver Republicans. Anything else you want to add about this one? No, I still feel the same way. I feel like it was a branding ploy for the for the local Republicans. Like, yeah. here we are. Remember Don't forget us. about us. We are for lower taxes. But 
The city of Denver doesn't agree. We said no. Initiated Ordinance 304 goes down by a pretty sizable margin. The no's uh, collected 60% of the vote here. Wow. All right. Um, And I think both of those ordinances were backed by that dark money group that we talked to Connor McCormick Kavanaugh from Westward, right? Yes. Yeah. Defend. Defend Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. So uh, that just, I don't know what the lesson here is. The selection that money does not necessarily mean you're going to win the voters over (laughs) yeah no i think that is the big story actually because there was all that money behind 303 and 304 and then you know that same dark money group was behind 2f the the repeal effort and that they said no to that yeah but there was a lot of money on the other side too oh right so that was a very interesting case to me of dark not dark money i don't know if it's dark money actually um I just got a lot of flyers for that one, hmm. and it was under this group Keep Denver Housed, which I thought was kind of cool. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but yes, money definitely didn't necessarily make the difference in any capacity. Hmm. Can we talk about the school board races briefly? Be- because I just I just saw this tweet from Melanie Asmar, and, and she was saying um, she's the education reporter with Chalkbeat, who's been on the show a couple of times. Um, she's been covering this. There's four seats up for grabs, and she wrote... All four union-backed candidates in Denver school board elections are leading in the early returns that we're looking at tonight. If all win, the entire board will be made up of members backed by the teachers union for the first time in recent history. Which is interesting because two years ago was the first time that the board flipped to be majority union-backed. So it seems like this is the continuation of that trend towards, you know, board members who uh were supported by the teachers union yeah who tend to be against the reform movement and supportive of neighborhood schools and things like that and and there were like 13 candidates vying for for four open seats on the school board and i'm sure um you know you probably voted on your district school board member um, but then you also voted on the school board director at large and i am curious to know what the results are were of that race paul um since that that school board member kind of represents the the whole system and i think what's really interesting about this is there was so much money in the school board race Mm. like millions of dollars for positions if i'm not mistaken are not paid not right now although they are talking about that there's some, there's some I, that just says that. something that we should be paying more attention to. I don't know exactly what it means, but huh. it's wild. Well, the winner of the at-large seat is a gentleman named Scott Esserman, who I don't know a ton about, but I know that he's an ally of Tay Anderson. I know he, he paid Tay about $5,000 this summer to do some consulting work. There was people alleging corruption over that. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that, but... <laughs> if you like the kind of changes that Tay is making, it seems like this is a person who's going to be doing Pretty progressive. more of those kinds of things. <clears throat> yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, I think that was it. That was the whole ballot. That was the 2021 the election. Ballot. The Denver ballot. Yeah, we didn't talk about the statewide issues, but, um, you know, I will recommend going over to CPR.org if, you, if you're interested or Colorado Sun. They've Denver got you covered. Right. Yep. And, of course, we'll be talking about all this more as the weeks oh, go yeah. on. I'm sure there'll be plenty of fallout. Yeah. 
That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning, a little bit more refreshed, with more news from around the city. See you then. It's not hard to eat candy.